the scripture this morning, I forgot a joy. Uh, we had another birth in the family last week. Uh, Marissa and Adam Runyon, who live, sit by the Nichols in that corner, uh, they corner sounds like a wrestling match. Um, in this portion of the sanctuary, they welcomed a son, Mason, on Monday. And so we celebrate with their family and just what a blessing of life. And I apologize that I forgot them. Thank you, Mindy. I heard my phone ding and I thought I'd forgotten something as I was praying. Okay, so this morning our scripture, it's going to be the only Sunday that I will ever read an entire book of the Bible in worship. Because today we're reading from Philemon. And so it's 25 verses, 355 words. So I invite you to hear it with me today. From Paul, who is a prisoner for the cause of Christ Jesus and our brother Timothy, to Philemon, our dearly loved co-worker, Appia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church that meets in your house, may the grace and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, be with you. Philemon, I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers, because I've heard of your love and faithfulness, which you have both for the Lord Jesus and for all God's people. I pray that your partnership in the faith might become effective by an understanding of all that is good among us in Christ. I have great joy and encouragement because of your love, since the hearts of God's people are refreshed by your actions, my brother. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to command you to do the right thing, I would rather appeal to you through love. I, Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for Christ Jesus, appeal to you, For my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith during my time in prison. He was useless to you before, but now he is useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, which is like sending you my own heart. I considered keeping him with me so that he might serve me in your place during my time in prison because of the gospel. However, I didn't want to do anything without your consent, so that your act of kindness would occur willingly and not under pressure. Maybe this is the reason that Onesimus was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, that is, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially a dearly loved brother to me. How much more can he become a brother to you personally and spiritually in the Lord? So if you really consider me a partner, welcome Onesimus as if you were welcoming me. If he has harmed you in any way or owes you any money, charge it to my account. I, Paul, will pay it back to you. I'm writing this with my own hand. Of course, I won't mention that you owe me your life. Yes, brother, I want this favor from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. I'm writing to you confident of your obedience and knowing that you will do more than what I ask. Also, one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me. I hope that I will be released from prison to be with you because of your prayers. Epaphras, who is in prison with me for the cause of Christ Jesus, greets you, as well as my co-workers Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning I'd I'd like to begin by um, sharing with you that for the next few weeks, I want to be looking at some of the individuals or the stories from the Bible that are only included for a short story, a short snippet in the biblical narrative and that we don't hear from them really again. Like this morning's letter. Paul's letter to Philemon. 
a leader in the church that we'll find out in a little bit. Him and Onesimus, it's we read the letter and then that's it. We don't really read about them anywhere else. But there are other individuals like that that you can think of in the Bible, I'm sure. Of people whose names you've read. And they played a part maybe for a couple of chapters and then you don't read or hear from them again. And so as I was thinking, maybe people like Hagar or Ruth to a degree or Balaam or Samson. Each of these people are people that you and I read about in our Bibles. They are people of significance because they're included in the history of Israel and of the New Testament. But for whatever reason, their story... Well, they only have a specific place in the biblical narrative. It's very short, and so we don't really know any additional things about them that we find from other parts of the Scripture. I have to say, I've been thinking about this sermon series for a while, and it's because the Bible is filled with names and people and experiences that you read about and you see about and you see and, and, and you envision and then it's done and you never hear about that person again. A few years ago, or maybe like 10 years ago, Mindy's brother gave me a book that says it's the people of the Bible. You know, it's a big study book. It's about this thick and I've never opened it until this series. And then it was like, man, look at all these people. I mean, it's a thick book. It's one of the thickest in my office probably. And so as I've been reading the Bible, as we read through the story last year, and then as I've been reading it this year and and just thinking, I've kept a list of people that I thought, huh, I'd be interested to know more about that person. I'd be interested to know more about their story and their situation. I'd be interested to know about them because people have questioned me about them or I felt like in a study or something else, I just glossed over them. And we touched on them, but we didn't study about them. And so as these individuals have come to mind, I've just kept a running list so that I could, I guess, have a pool to start from today because we're obviously not doing everything on the list. But this morning's scripture came to my attention when I was actually preparing a few months ago for for last week's sermon as I read from the book of Hebrews. Last week we read from Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 and as I was reading Hebrews and trying to get a picture last week of of a larger vision of what that scripture was saying to us, not just reading those three verses but looking at where it was set in the letter of Hebrews and kind of researching Hebrews, I came across this short little book of the New Testament called Philemon. I tried to remember what I knew about it, which I have to confess was not very much. So I added it to the list because I think it'd be interesting to know more about. I think there's a message that it was included in the gospel it was in, or in the, the New Testament and it was put in there for a reason. Philemon, like I mentioned a minute ago, is the shortest book of the New Testament. It's 355 words, 25 verses. It's also the only letter in the New Testament that we read that is addressed to one person, to, to Philemon. It's not addressed to a community, although Paul is clever in the way he crafts this letter because he's writing this letter to Philemon, but he clearly intends for this letter to be read to everybody in the church because he wants something to be done. And what a better way to do it than by peer pressure. This letter is written to Philemon. He's a wealthy individual who, who belonged to and hosted the Christian community in his home in Colossae. 
So the letter to the Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote to this Christian community in addition to this letter that he's writing to this individual. Paul is appealing to Philemon to welcome his escaped slave, slave Onesimus, back into his home. Onesimus has apparently fled. He's apparently run away and he has stolen, probably to pay for food and whatever else he needed during his escape. And in some way he has reached Paul. And he has ended up becoming a disciple of Paul in Paul's imprisonment. Authors believe or or biblical commentators believe that this letter was written when Paul was either imprisoned in Ephesus or in Rome. Those are two places we do know that Paul was imprisoned. And so it's really your pick of which one you think works. Because you can look and and see and, and prove both of them equally well. But either way, Onesimus has reached Paul. And he has put himself under Paul's wing. And he has received Christian instruction and learning to where Paul says he is now worth something, basically, to Philemon. Before that, he says that, you know, that Onesimus was, was worthless to Philemon because, one, he'd run away as a slave, and two, he wasn't being faithful as a slave, and, and he'd stolen everything. And, and so Paul is saying now that he has value because of who he is in Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus reaches to all people and offers life to all people. You know, as I read this letter, it made me think of, in my own life, um, the way that Paul crafted this letter. You know, because he's appealing to Philemon's vanity, but he's also appealing to, to the community to pressure him to do what he thinks is right, isn't he? Because he says, I'm writing this to you because you're so loved. And, and, and while I could, in a Christian way, command you to do this, I'm appealing to you out of love. You know, it's almost like what my brother and I attempted to do as kids with our friends when we would want them to spend the night and we would have them come up with us to our parents and say, hey, can Matt spend the night tonight? We wanted the peer pressure, right? And you know, our family, the answer was always no and then we usually got a talking to. But that's almost how this letter is crafted, isn't it? Because Paul clearly has an outcome that he wants to have happen. He clearly knows that something needs to happen so that Onesimus can be received in a Christian way. And so he does it in such a way that others will see and hear, but he's appealing to this man out of his faith and love for God. I mean, it's a really interesting letter. Tradition says there's something a little more about these characters that we read about. Tradition says that Philemon and his wife Appia were martyred at Colossae. And that Onesimus actually became the bishop of Ephesus later. In fact, you can go and and look in church history books. And Ignatius of Antioch refers to Onesimus as bishop in a letter to the church in 110 AD. So we're reading a letter from Paul that was written to real people who really lived in this community. And he's writing to a man who really was a leader in his church. I've never spent much time in this letter. Probably because of its link. Probably because it doesn't necessarily uh, touch on the resurrection in terms of the gospel story. Probably because it's, I mean, it's just so small. It's not even included in the lectionary that some people use and, and some churches use. But what I've found is I've read it. 
is that this letter is an important snapshot for us into the life and ministry of Paul. I don't know about you, but I read commentaries, or I read Paul sometimes, some of his other letters, and he comes across very regimented, doesn't he? Very formal, very strict in what he believes needs to happen in terms of the Christian community and how we're to relate to one another, and how we're to pass on this gift of faith and life to others, and how we're to hold one another accountable and hold one another up. But today's letter's not that. Today's letter is almost, well, it is. It's a snapshot into Paul's ministry as he is demonstrating how he's serving as pastor to these other people. He is demonstrating his pastoral love to them. As he's requesting not that Onesimus be be just welcomed back, but that Onesimus be welcomed back without punishment and as Paul himself would be welcomed in this man's home. Paul requests that that Philemon go even further than what he's asking by welcoming Onesimus as a brother in Christ. As if Onesimus was Paul himself. You know, often we read writings that say as Paul is very heavy-handed, very regimented. But that's not this letter today. Because Paul is appealing to Philemon as a brother in Christ to go farther in his generosity and in in his ability to forgive as he welcomes this slave who has embarrassed him, who's fled from him, who has stolen from him, but yet who went and discovered God and whose life was changed. You know, it's an amazing letter if you think about it. Because it's demonstrating for us the selfless love of God that Paul rooted himself in. It demonstrated the selfless love of God that that Paul instructed other Christians in, in the early church in. Because Paul is not telling Philemon what he's to do, but he's inviting him. He's encouraging him to demonstrate the radical love of Jesus. The radical love that that was demonstrated when Christ came to the earth. The radical love that we see in the healings and the miracles that Jesus performed. The radical love that, that we receive when Jesus told the thieves on the crosses next to Him that they were forgiven and that those who crucified Him were forgiven as well. See, Paul is appealing to that. And he's inviting Philemon to... Be someone who demonstrates the radical love that God demonstrated every time He chose again and again to rescue His people. And it's the radical love that Jesus proclaimed when He was questioned by the teachers of the law in the Gospels when it says, you know, teacher, what's the law that we must follow? What's the most important law? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. See, Paul's telling Philemon that, well, he's encouraging Philemon that if he's going to be a follower of Christ, then he has to demonstrate Christ to all people. And demonstrating Christ to all people means making your foundation the love of Christ that's demonstrated to us through the cross, 
and through the empty tomb and through Jesus offering himself for each of us. See, this isn't a letter that proclaims the resurrection with a loud voice, but what it is is it's a letter that tells us that we have to root ourselves in being a foundational people rooted in the love of God. As we welcome each other, as we interact with each other, as we bring others in, and as we go from this place, Christ was known by His radical love. And in this letter today, Paul is known by the love that he invites others to participate in as well. It's the radical love in which Christ offers Himself to us whenever we gather as His people out of His love for us. Amen.